there is a delay between action and gratification. And that's, that's where I think um, if people don't understand that, that kills the enthusiasm in what you're doing because we live in a society that you want immediate fulfillment, immediate returns, immediate satisfaction. And in this business, you're building a reputation, you're building a brand name, you're building some credibility. Welcome to the Get Traction Podcast. If you are ready to learn exactly what it takes to become a real estate entrepreneur, this is the show for you. With your host, founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors and president of the Traction Real Estate Investors Association, Tom Zeeb. Welcome back to the Get Traction Podcast. This is Tom Zeeb, as always, with my producer, Harry Duran. Hey, Harry. How you doing, Tom? Doing awesome. Hey, Harry, today we've got a special guest on the line. It's another of my very successful students, Eddie. Eddie, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Tom? Very good, thanks. Eddie, wanted to uh, ask you a few questions about your experiences in real estate investing and how you got started, the success you've had, and um, uh, I think that'll be helpful to our listeners. Sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Love to tell my story. All right, fantastic. So um, let's think back to uh before you did my training where were you at like what was what was life like what real estate experience did you have and um tell us a little bit about that time in your life sure so maybe the storyline is that i for quite some time i wanted to get involved into real estate and one of the motivators was that my father was an architect who built hundreds if not thousands of homes for some other people yet we never really had houses other than his own and uh, it kind of always dwelled on me. Why can't we own properties uh, as well as others? I believe that uh, that was kind of one of the money stories that helped people drive. Why is it that I cannot do something that others can do successfully? That was one of my drivers. And I was, uh, as I was growing up and growing up with my family, successfully, professionally, I realized that I needed to invest in my education to be able to understand how to really make money on real estate, um, not necessarily just an investor, but also doing it as an entrepreneur. And um, I was living in the Washington area and looking for different sources other than just self-teaching myself from many good authors, great books I've read, uh, useful books as well. I ran into Traction Ria, and that's how I met Tom and Carolina. So Eddie, what was it about my program that attracted you? Well, initially it was, it wasn't really about your program. It was more about a RIA that uh, would help me network with other investors and other like-minded people. And the topping on the ice cream was meeting you and your program uh, beyond just the actual networking opportunities with the RIA that it's uh, managed by you. And so you came into my Rapid Cash Generator Bootcamp, and what, what inspired you? What got you excited? What, what changed for you? Well, after I, I uh, started doing your training, uh, I was able to have the confidence to do what every other uh, book tells you to do, which is basically to take action into the marketing and get the deals flowing. I always really like how you simplify the model in, you know, basically you find a deal, you negotiate a deal and you cash a check. It's not that difficult. Once you actually understand and get over the hump, I believe that trying to uh, trust that if you do enough marketing 
people. And there's a gazillion ways of doing marketing, which you teach a lot of options and options and options about personal choices, really, and your budget and your objectives. But uh, it's taking action through the marketing to get deals coming to you so you can start the process of learning how to negotiate deals and how to uh, determine the deals that make sense to you. Let's talk about your marketing for a minute. Did you feel like you were struggling with marketing? Were you afraid of marketing? Were you afraid of what you were spending on your marketing? Like it wasn't going to go anywhere? And then did it turn around? All of the above. <laughs> I think that uh, it, must be, it must be my professional brain setting in. Why would that work? Why would anybody try to pick up your piece of marketing and answer your silly questions, whether you want to sell your house at this discount or not? I believe that uh, at one point, Tom, you know, you hammered it so well that you said, you know, just trust the system. It works uh, over and over and over that you say, you know what, I just got to stop thinking, just do it. Uh, because if I start thinking and rationalizing it, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense uh, to have anybody who will be willing to sell you their asset at, I know, 30, 40 percent off market value. And those people do exist. Uh, certainly do. Interesting. So they only <laughs> once you once you started actually doing it and ignored that little voice in your head, kind of trying to logically talk you out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It just started to happen. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Go ahead. Tell us about your first deal. So uh, another another comment about that is that um, yep. you're you're very creative in saying uh, one of the things that you start with your program and I, I you know that helped you create some confidence is that. You don't have to spend gazillion dollars on marketing. There are very creative ways. You know, you're trading time for money. So, you know, if you have time, great. There are cheaper ways to do marketing. If you have a little more cash, then you can, you know, outsource it to other uh, companies and services to do the marketing for you. But the point of the matter is that uh, even with small amounts of money, well-targeted, you can get responses. And that's what I initially did, uh, following some of the different uh, lists that are typically used. And there is no magic list. I, you, you always say that as well. And I also agree with you. There is no magic list. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, a reasonable, logical list of, of a constraint uh, that people may be facing. And then just stick with it. And in a farming area as well. Very clearly delineated in your program. I follow pretty much those steps, and I did market. Uh, I did uh, market in uh, Fairfax County, uh, Fairfax City. I'm sorry, um, where I found because I live nearby, so I felt comfortable marketing to something that was more of my neighborhood and I understood it. Uh, lower cost, lower cost to where I live. I live in Vienna, Virginia. Still very expensive, but reasonably compared to uh, what Vienna is worth. They. Um, I market, I didn't spend a lot of money. So I might have spent, I, did, I might have spent maybe $800 on, on my mailings uh, for my initial list. It might have been about 250 houses. I was focused on uh, foreclosures. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the initial group I focused on. At that time, still were, uh, it was 2016 where I made these deals. And then I, uh, there were still, little bit of those deals coming still from the recession I, because they were still kind of the result of the recession. And basically, I found two deals, which I'll tell you about in a minute if you want. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, you're $800 into your marketing. Yep. 
And you got both of your first two deals uh, from that $800 of marketing spend? Uh, the first one. The first one. Second one came from another, yeah, the other one, maybe another 1200 or so of marketing. And then I got my second deal. Same farming area, though. Same farming area. Same so you list. You defined your farm, mm -hmm. like I touched it at the boot camp. Mm -hmm. You got one of the lists that I talked about. Mm -hmm. Your first $800 got you your first deal. Then an, an additional $1,200 in marketing spend got yeah. you your second deal. So you're about $2,000 into your marketing. Yeah. Not to uh, completely spoil it. So of those two deals, what was your profit on those two deals? Um, so I, I took notes because I had, it's been a couple a uh, year and a half or so. So um, Sure. So yeah, so it was. There were both townhomes uh, in Fairfax. There seems to be a cluster of townhomes that have, you know, a fairly mid-range price for Fairfax County, and they are. Um, what well, one was the the ARV for the house uh, was three hundred and forty-two thousand. Mm -hmm. I closed the deal uh, at two hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. So with a fee of twenty-four thousand dollars for a wholesale fee. It's a beautiful wholesale fee. Your first deal was $24,000 in profit on $800 in marketing spend. That's right. And whatever, a couple grand you invested in my bootcamp. So right. you were way up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the deal was pretty much a nice upside for my buyer who was a rehabber. Uh, he, he might have invested. My estimation was probably right on. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the one trick that also freezes a lot of investors. How do you determine the rehab costs to market it? Yeah. However, you know, if you go to Home Depot often enough, you you you, you kind of learn the, the cost per feet of paint and carpet and appliances and so forth, right? Um, and it's also, you know, you'd never want to make sure that uh, you underestimate that. You want to be conservative with those, with those uh, rehab costs so that, the potential buyer who is a rehabber usually or, as an, or an investor has enough upside and they will know if the rehab budget is, is, is cushioned. They'll know that right away. So Eddie, your rehabber was still able to make a good profit and you made a very handsome wholesale fee. Yeah. Did your, people always ask, so I'm being a little facetious the way I ask this, but didn't your buyer object to paying you $24,000 to buy a contract from you? <laughs> no, because they were making after rehab about 70,000. So, okay, there we go. <laughs> no, people don't object to paying 24,000 when they can make 70. Exactly. It happens yeah. all day long. All right, good. I mean, 70 after paying my 24, right? So that's the old, old net for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's lovely. So handsome profit for anybody. Yeah, oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful problem. Mm -hmm. It's not 70 minus 24 for them. It's they're making 70, pay 24. Net, excellent, net, net for each. Uh, a question for Eddie. Was there any apprehension going into your first deal? Um, oh, absolutely. Everything you can imagine on the book. Am I crazy? Am I going to get scammed? Is this person going to back out? Uh, would, uh, would I not be able to sell the deal to another rehabber or another buyer? Will I have an exit strategy, uh, which is one of the key things that also uh, Tom adamantly teaches in his course when we go over contracts. And I'll have a story about that later on. Uh, now I have a story to share about that. Go for it. Yeah, no, well, let me tell you about the second deal to keep uh, the excitement going. With, you know, there, there is upside uh, on doing wholesale. And the second deal was a, another kind of home. As well in Fairfax, it was a 
It was uh, ARV was three fifteen. Uh, I, I bought the property or the, the wholesale purchase price was two hundred and thirty for a, a wholesale fee of nineteen thousand uh, dollars. This one had a, a slower a lower margin between the wholesale fee and and the actual sale price, but the the rehab budget was also smaller. The prior one was thirty thousand. This one was fifty thousand. In rehab, it has a, a smaller margin, but you still made a nineteen thousand dollar wholesale fee. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, sounds horrible, Eddie. Yeah, it's painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your first two deals, twenty four thousand and nineteen thousand. That's right. So forty three thousand dollars in your first two deals, off of two thousand dollars in marketing spend. Mm -hmm and a few thousand dollars on training. So whatever, let's say five, five grand, five, six grand. Give or take, yeah. Give or take. Beautiful. In a, in, in within, and, and that happened in, within one year. In one year, wonderful. That's a pretty good year. How did you, uh, how'd that make you feel? Well, it obviously confirmed the model that you have been preaching for years, that it works. Uh, but again, it's really not up to the trainers, it's up to the trainee to make it happen. Yes. <laughs> and, that, and, and that is that is where I think you do a very good job brainwashing your students and helping them overcome their fears. <laughs> some, so, some are slower than others, I must tell you, and including me. That's okay. But eventually, you know, it hits, the, it hits you, and you know, especially when you confirm that it does work. You have a wife and kids, correct? Yeah, my, my wife was very supportive uh, of my enthusiasm. Uh, I don't, but that, yet she didn't believe me. <laughs> She's like, I don't think that. And now? I think she does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've proven myself. I'm proving the model. I was wondering um, what kept you going because you said, it was, you know, all told that the, the two deals were, were over the course of a year. So I'm wondering what, like, what was it about your mindset that kept you going to kept you know, kept going at it to keep trying the system? So I think what happens, uh, Harry, and, and this is the, I actually went back to uh, one of the perks that Tom's program has is the uh, lifetime retake of the bootcamp. Um, it's a great, you know, it's priceless. You know, $2,000 is nothing, or $3,000, I don't remember how much it is. It's nothing when you can actually go back and refresh, reboot, uh, and also get fresh ideas from Tom and also from peers. You know, a lot of the students are people that are doing this day in the day, and they also need some refresher, some motivation. I believe that uh, one of the challenges is and it is uh, consistency in the marketing. And actually, I had done my marketing that second time, second investment, and I was happy doing it. But I did not. I did get calls, but I got no deals. Took a while, but eventually, there is a. There is a delay between action and gratification. And that's, that's where I think um, if people don't understand that, that kills the enthusiasm in what you're doing because we live in a society that you want immediate fulfillment, immediate returns, immediate satisfaction. And in this business, you're building a reputation, you're building a brand name, you're building some credibility. Uh, and then also, it's, sometimes it's just luck. You, know, you happen to have the card in front of the distressed seller that needs to get rid of it right away and, and you're there and that's just pure luck it doesn't take any any better timing than just being in front of the person at the right time right moment 
And to do that, you have to invest in marketing and just trust that eventually somebody will call. Makes sense. Eddie, uh, with your second deal, you found it through the same way. It was also pre-foreclosure? Yes, it was also pre-foreclosure as the first one. Absolutely. And you found your buyer by going to your buyer's list that you had built? Yes, exactly. So I built my buyer's list uh, from assisting Tideria and also from uh, networking in other local uh, RIA groups where basically uh, I did also stop at construction sites uh, where there were uh, crews working on, on repairs or updates or brand new constructions. And I did exchange cards with the different the contractor and developers. So if you saw a house being built, you'd stop and, and, and say, hey, are you, are you a buyer also? Also, Yeah. So I, I, one of the buyers was from uh, our attraction RIA, one of the developers or constructors in attraction RIA. The other one was uh, just a random developer that I met basically by stopping at, at uh, construction sites. Whenever I'm driving around and I have a little bit of time, stop, say hello, exchange cards, and do that. That one it was it was nice also. It was actually very simple, although the fee was a little lower. 19000 is not too frowned upon. And also the fact that it was more of a lipstick uh, rehab. And for the audience, lipstick is pretty, pretty much a, a property where you use, use some painting, carpet changes, knobs that may be broken or just want to make it safe. Again, uh, general cleanup. So it's really not a hard-duty uh, rehab at all. It, it allowed it allowed for a lot more profit to the to the buyer with a lot less effort for sure. So yeah, they made less less of a profit than maybe they would do, but uh, but still, you know, forty fifty thousand dollars is not a bad profit on a deal for sure. Right, and again, this buyer made forty fifty thousand dollar profit after rehabbing. You made a nineteen thousand dollar profit from assigning your contract. That's correct. Did that buyer object to uh, paying you nineteen thousand dollars? They did not, and that one they sold for, I think, uh, about another $20,000 above what was the estimated ARV. So they did uh, really oh, handsome, very handsomely, very handsomely. Good, so they, they beat your projections and more than earned back what they paid you. Yeah, their market, their market helped, but uh, you know, obviously having solid numbers, are, which makes it convincing, is very helpful. Yeah, definitely. When you were shopping for buyers, for both of the deals now, when you were shopping around for buyers, did you have multiple buyers did you get to you know you obviously chose one did you have to disappoint others was there competition involved how did you approach your buyers look i have a limited buyers list as opposed to maybe other more advanced wholesalers i think i had uh, i want to say nine or eleven persons on my list not very many um so whenever i, I prepared the package as, as you instructed as you taught us uh, but then again, it's, it's you, you teach it to us, but also it's just common sense, you know. It, it would sound, you know, you need pictures, you need data, you need location, you need, you know, uh, dates, uh, dimensions, what's the size, and how many rooms, what size of the rooms, you know, how many bathrooms, you know, it's just typical information. And if you if you've done a good job taking pictures, it's the pictures speak, uh, you know, tons, and you don't need to do a lot of writing if you have good pictures. Out of the, if I remember well, I think I might have had uh four responses from for the first deal it didn't become a bidding war because i you know somebody offered you know they took my fee for 24 i think i was asking for 30 i believe but some the others were, were offering less and i that one offered 24 i looked their credentials i did check them out 
Um, you know, they were on doing uh, rehab two other properties. Uh, so, you know, they were in business. So I took that offer and that paid off really well. And I, I was, uh, I did do a little bit of background check and I would advise anybody to do a little bit of background checks on, on your buyers as well. But just take your word for it. Fantastic. And your second buyer? A second buyer was, again, the one that was the constructor that I found by literally knocking on doors and uh, knocking on construction sites, rather. And I did the same, I did differently in this case. I liked the guy a lot when I talked to them and I, I just gave him a direct deal. Hey, I have this property and I, you told me that you were looking for new, new properties to rehab. Um, I just sent it to him directly and uh, immediately he accepted it without, without flinching. I just took it, I asked for 19,000, he did 19,000 and that was it. Excellent. And did either buyer object to buying on assignment? They, they apparently had both done the same before. They, they had experience doing assignments. So uh, the contract we signed, which is your, your template, was uh, seamless, not a problem at all. It's clear enough for them to understand it, so they have no problems at all. Yeah, that's one of the big benefits of doing it that way is it's, it's simple, it's easy. A professional uh, rehab or professional buyer has done that before. Uh, they don't object. I'm just, I, I know a lot of listeners out there are saying, oh, well, you know, the marketing's difficult. Well, you showed that, you know, $800 and you made a fortune. And some people say, oh, well, I'll never find a buyer. A buyer's not going to understand climate or that's strange, but you're finding all of this to be exceptionally smooth. Exceptionally smooth and actually predictable. What I confirmed, Tom, was that you don't have to sell the deal. The deal sells itself. Uh, I mean, when there is money to be made, and you're talking with people that understand the business, which there are plenty in our DC metro area. A lot of people in this business, it's really not that hard for them to understand the numbers at all. You would think that uh, maybe as a newbie, you may not, uh, you may not be uh, akin to the whole network of people. But the truth is that that network of people in this business, a lot of them know each other. Or, or they know people in their area, wherever they work, and they know numbers and they know costs based on their experience as well. So if, if I'm marketing in Fairfax and I have obviously other uh, rehabbers or buyers that are doing similar deals in Fairfax, it's a no-brainer for them. They'll automatically recognize their margins on that. And I had no problems closing, so it's fine. What do you think some of the biggest lessons you learned are, both about yourself and the process and real estate? What's, um, let's name your top three lessons learned. Well, the first lesson learned is that uh, we should follow a, a proven path as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, others have done it by following the footsteps that you have laid out, which you have learned by experience and by teaching, learning from your mentors as well. So you pretty much are passing down wisdom to others. You know, unless you test it wrong, at least test that wisdom and make sure that it does work. That's, that's maybe lesson number one. Number two is uh, consistency in marketing. It's just, that's just the way to do it and to be able to have a deal flow. You make enough emphasis on that. Uh, I don't believe that most students actually follow through on that because we second guess what it is that we, we are trying to achieve. Uh, and, and again, it is a possibility that you may invest five grand and get no deals. I mean, it, it is a chance and it's a possibility. 
but you will definitely talk to people if you invest five grand in marketing. You will be talking to some people, either even if it's just to get the wheel rolling and get that those awkward conversations out of the way, or get calls from people telling you, "Get me off your mailing list," which you know we get them all the time. So. Exactly. At least you know the, the the post office is delivering your mail. <laughs> yeah, and you know to get them off your list as well, so you don't waste any more money on them. So, and then the third one, and not last, is that that actually leads me into what I'm doing in Puerto Rico right now. Let me tell you about this now. Please. I told you that I wanted to do uh, investments not in my metro area, but in other locations. So professionally, I was able to come to Puerto Rico and help with the reconstruction after the hurricane. Uh, last year, and uh, I felt it was a great opportunity because I knew after a disaster hits, uh, there's also a lot of opportunity for reconstruction. And uh, well, when there's problems, people flee and they leave things that are very valuable behind uh, or leave things in disrepair. My intentions in Puerto Rico are, well, on one hand is professionally to, to help Puerto Ricans get back on their feet. But secondly, it was also to uh, invest in uh, multifamily properties in Puerto Rico. I've been to Puerto Rico before. I'm familiar with it. I'd worked here before, and I realized that that was an opportunity uh, to do this type of investment. So two things briefly about Puerto Rico. One is that I came in looking for a RIA in Puerto Rico uh, to network with other professionals and like-minded people to help me get started. And one thing I found, Tom, is that um, the information is in this array. The system is not uh, as clearly as clearly and as established as it is in many parts of the U.S. or most of the U.S. Really, uh, market information is not available online. You know, for instance, you go to Zillow's, you're not going to find properties in, for Puerto Rico in Zillow's, for instance, as an example. Uh, and it has to do with multiple things. All those large data gathering companies just do not collect data here. Uh, the registry are not are not uh, atomized. They're not digitalized. So I decided to, well, let me look for a, a, a real estate investor association. And there's none. So I'm like, wow, what would Tom do? Well, I'll create my own. <laughs> so you opened up a, a, I opened up a RIA and I have 35 members. Fantastic. It's a great opportunity to network with like-minded people. Some are beginners, some are just experienced, some actually see the opportunity to network. But it takes initiative to do these type of things, right? My biggest constraint is actually finding a suitable space without going through a hotel and charging because I don't have the time to manage it appropriately. So I need to keep it informal. Uh, but it's extremely exciting. I was able to then find the best property management company in Puerto Rico. I got the, the brokers from Puerto Rico to do commercial deals and, and residential deals as well. I got the attorney, tax attorney guys, the best tax attorney guys in, in town as well. Um, so I got kind of a lineup of professionals that can help talk to others who took me a little while to figure it out, but I was able to quite quickly, actually, more than others that actually live here, because uh, I, I knew what I was looking for. I had a model. I had an ex I have a, a model and example to search to look for. Um, and in, in the end, so that, that's the first story. And that to be continued, I will talk in the next uh, opportunity I see you to tell you how it went <laughs> and was, what, what I was able to achieve from, from that experience. The um, second one is that uh, as I was doing, looking for multifamily, I decided, you know what, this is a beautiful, I, I was able to purchase a, a penthouse um, on the beach in East Verde, and I bought it for 215 
and uh, the market value ARV is about 350. But that one, I'm actually doing it myself. So I'm actually going to the rehab process. I'm finishing just about now. Um, so I put about 350, about 50K into it. So I'm about yeah, 265 into the deal. And, uh, you know, it has a nice, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a value play on this one. It's uh, basically I'm playing price increases on the property as, as values go up. And how did you negotiate that? Uh, it sounds like you've uh, taken what you've learned and what you've been able to apply on the main, you know, in the mainland U.S. Now you're applying it to Puerto Rico. And tell us about that negotiation. It was actually, uh, you know, the story is over and over time is that, you know, properties that have some distress story are where investors find the deals. That's just the way it works. I mean, rational people that may have uh, regular lives will not sell at a discount, but others will. And this was, was a, it was an inheritance. It was a property that the owner had died a couple years ago. So it had been off, on the market when he was alive or dying. And then off the market after he died because you know, paper, legal paperwork, uh, inheritance had to be taken care of. And so it had just come back up to on the market. And it went, it was, uh, they dropped it from uh, two, 250 to 230. So that caught my attention. They were, they were, they were motivated. And then I learned that it had been in the market about two and a half years ago and had been just basically sat vacant for that long, or over three years. So it's a beautiful penthouse. I mean, a, a block from the beach. Uh, you know, I have ocean views. And it's great. It would be really nice after it's done. And you negotiated them down another fifteen grand. You said you got it for two fifteen. Two fifteen. Right? Yeah, I offered. I offered. Uh, I think two o two, but then they they they, they countered. So they actually went exactly to where I wanted it to be. Two fifteen. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent tech. Yeah. Go go lower. Let them bring you up. Now they feel like they won. They feel like they won. Excellent. And you know, and, and you sleep at night knowing you you did go low enough because. If you said 202 and they said yes, you would have wondered how much lower they would have gone. Exactly. And I had, I had set my, my, uh, my budget at 215 as the, as the max uh, ARV. So, I mean, I knew exactly that was my, my, uh, my max uh, allowable offer. Fantastic. And this is going to be a personal, a personal residence for you? or? Uh, it w- I mean, I will use it personally for the time I'm here. So that way I'm, I finish overseeing the rehab. And uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to end up being kind of a luxury property. So, like I said, it's a value play. So I'll I'll rent it out, hang on to it for maybe a little bit over a year, and then see where the market goes. Excellent. And uh, yeah, but but you know, rentals should not be a problem at all uh, to to and pay off whatever it's uh, whatever the mortgage costs are. And actually, I remember another element is a hundred percent finance because I was able to leverage uh, line of uh, home line of credits and other sources. It's not really any of my money. Actually, you're playing all your cards right. Eddie, you've used a specific word a few times uh, as we've been speaking, and I, I want you to expand upon it for our listeners. And that word is framework. Like you've been able to use a framework, lean into the framework, the, the frameworks work for you. Talk, talk us through how you view my framework. I believe that, Tom, that the framework you have developed helped uh, to bring confidence to the process. So if in the way that the way I see it and the way I've learned your system is that, first of all, it's not a one-time shot. You have to listen to the tapes. You have to read the books multiple times. Uh, you have to let it sink. 
And then eventually you start seeing, and then you have to be always observant of what's going on with the market. So you can see, ah, is this a value play? You have to analyze deals to see what things, uh, where things make sense. And using the framework is basically following the steps that you have developed in the program to be able to have the confidence of understanding what comes next. So if I do this and, and there's a trigger, somebody calls me, then I know exactly what you do. Well, you develop a relationship, you understand the situation, eventually you talk about numbers, and then if the numbers make sense, you get back to them. If they don't make sense, you say thank you, and you move on to the next call, next information you have. If you're not getting calls, and you taught us this in the framework, where you look for the calls, you call realtors, you call for sale by owners. Whenever you have a little bit of time, uh, call for rentals. You know, Whenever you find, I, I go around and I take pictures of rental signs or realtor signs, I just call them, hey, what do you have? You know, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for this range, I'm looking for this type of property. And they may give you information if you're not getting phone calls from your marketing. In Puerto Rico, marketing, I have been done it, it's a lot through realtors and through just basically the calling phone numbers because they're all over the place. So it's kind of easy in that sense. And I'm, I'm trying to take it to the next level and automate it so I can have automatic texting and automatic uh, voicemails because I have enough of a long list of numbers that I can do that. Fantastic. Eddie, if you were to meet somebody or come across somebody who was in the same spot you were before my training, what advice would you give to them now? I would uh, advise uh, people that were uh, doubtful like I was uh, to find uh, a network with like-minded people that are a step ahead of them so that they have success stories to, mo to model and success stories to look forward to, to help them actually continue the path of self-education uh, and also to pursue uh, their objectives in investing. Another comment I've, I would, I've made people, uh, and I already have done this to people that tell me, I want to do real estate investment, but I don't have any money. Uh, and I told them, and I learned this from uh, another another mentor, uh, and it's basically, yes, I mean, you are an investor when you start putting money down in properties, but right now, if you're doing wholesaling, you really are an entrepreneur. I mean, you are really a real estate entrepreneur that are basically finding deals, flipping them for money, and until personally, until now that I'm buying this 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 penthouse in Puerto Rico that I just bought, I'm actually now an investor officially beyond my personal home and other things. But uh, because I'm putting the money to you know in real estate, not even my own money really, but it's it's I've leveraged my money to do that. My point is, I would uh, encourage them to think of themselves as entrepreneurs, and to do that, they have to be driven, to be motivated, and to also not give up in their first uh, defeat. They must continue to do it if they believe in it, and it will, it will pay off eventually. Fantastic. So any, any regrets about your training? Anything you would have um, done different? Uh, my regret probably would have been that I would have done it as soon as I had the opportunity to do it. I, uh, I, probably, <laughs> I probably chewed on it for maybe over a year until I did it. Uh, so, until you know... Yeah. So hindsight, you know, beyond all my own self-education and all the networking, great education that could be available pretty much for free. Uh, you know, taking the course, uh, I, I could have, I would have done it a year sooner if I look back. So you would have started sooner. I agree. I usually hear, I wish I would have started uh, uh, sooner. Or I wish I would have started younger. And yeah. that's just, yet people still sit and kind of spin their wheels when it's it's mm -hmm. time, you know, you want to get traction, the time to take action is now. I agree. Fantastic. 
Thanks, Eddie. Well, appreciate it. Thanks for, I know you're uh, calling in from Puerto Rico. I know things have been a little, little crazy down there. Oh, I yeah. appreciate you uh, making the time and, uh, and, and we've had a pretty good audio connection as well. So folks, apologies if there's been a touch of noise, but it's not a, uh, I think the, the value in uh, talking with Eddie has been fantastic. So I, I want to thank you a lot, Eddie. Thank you, Tom. Henry, thank you as well. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks for listening. Your next step is to visit GetTractionPodcast.com. There you'll find all current episodes and a link to download a free copy of Tom's Deal Flow Cheat Sheet. Happy wholesaling.